0: I appreciate that. As I said, the first service, I can totally relate, and I think a lot of us can as well. I think money has a way of worming its way into our hearts, right, and getting a hold of us. And it really relates to what we're going to talk about today. So, yeah, good morning, everyone. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Aziz Nahas. I'm one of the pastors here in H2O Church. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. I really miss not being at the second service uh, very often anymore. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a treat for me. And if, if this is your first time here today, really glad you could be here with us. Welcome. Uh, we hope that this is a time that you'll be able to really connect with God and maybe you're even kind of investigating Christianity. And we hope that this time will help you in that as well. If there's anything we can do to help you get connected or uh, learn more about uh, God, just let us know. We'd be glad to help you. All right. So this morning, we're going to be continuing in our series through the letter of James. And before we go on, let me go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Um, yeah, thank you that the Buckeyes won, amazingly enough. Uh, <laughs> thank you that we're here this morning, um, and just yeah, all your blessings, Lord. You fill our lives with blessings. Uh, I just think of how you provided Jeff that job on November 30th. The Lord just so unforeseen, so amazing, and you just love to do that. You, as we saw last week, you are God who loves to give good and perfect gifts. In fact, every good and perfect gift comes only from you. And we just uh, ask you to help us to really uh, set our minds on that this morning, remember that, uh, open ourselves to your word and what you want to teach us, Um, help us to receive uh, what you have on your heart for us, and have hearts that are receptive to you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in James chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 19, 19 and 20. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. But let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now if you notice, I put the word but in brackets there, and the reason is because in the English Standard Version, it doesn't actually translate the passage with that word in there, but in the original Greek, that word is in there. It can be translated as and or but, and it's actually a pretty important word. And the reason is because the phrase right before it know this my beloved brothers is referring to the verses that have just come before. And John taught about them last week, right? And there was even more that he didn't have a chance to cover. And in the previous verses, we see these incredibly important truths about God and what he is like and about humans and what we are like and about Christians and what we're like, and what God has done in our lives, and how we are to respond to trials and temptations. These are critical life truths that will radically change the way we live if we understand them, and if we embrace them, and if we believe them and live by them. And that's why James is really wanting to press that home with his readers. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Don't forget this. Know this. Understand this. Don't be ignorant. He tells them in verse 16, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. He really wants them to understand these truths and, bring, and and hold them dear to their hearts and to their minds. But then he says this, something interesting. He says, but let every person be quick to hear. Why would he need to say that? Well, if you think about it, what often happens when you gain knowledge? He tells us here, know this, know these truths. That's not bad, right? That's got to be good. He's telling us to do it. But what unfortunately happens when we gain knowledge a lot of times? Well, the Bible tells us we become sometimes puffed up, we become arrogant. We start thinking we're all so great because we know all these things. And when you don't take that knowledge and act upon it, it can turn into something bad in your life and in your heart. We need to remember these truths. We need to believe them and take them to heart and to act upon them. And in the previous section, we learned these truths, right, about God and ourselves and how to endure trials with joy and to receive wisdom. We received help to resist temptations that come with those trials. But how do we respond instead when these kind of trials come? Do we hear what the Bible is teaching and do what it's saying and take it to heart? Well, I don't know about you, but for me, I would have to say, a lot of times, no. That's not what I do. Often, I get angry, right? I get angry at the people who are making my life difficult. I, this, uh, this weekend, I was visiting uh, my wife and I. We have three sons, and it's rare that we can all be together. Uh, my middle son now is in England, studying abroad, and so we were taking him to the airport. And along the way, we visited my older son, who's in medical school. And my younger son was with us. We were all together. It was this great, wonderful time. We had dinner. We ate this delicious uh, food. But before that, while we were looking for a place to eat, we stopped at this pizza place, found out there was no seating, so we were about to leave, and I was backing up. And then out of the corner of my eye, there was this blur, and there was this roar. And everything all at once registered. It was a guy on a motorcycle. And he was driving like 100 miles an hour through the parking lot. And it it just was boom like that and I was backing out and I think it felt like he missed me by inches and I didn't have time to process the emotions or anything all I know is it just filled me with rage and I yelled out I wish I had hit that guy and he had died <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> right that's what my son's reaction was too they were you know, normally they kid around with me about dad and stuff but even they were like whoa dad <laughs> what? And I was thinking, whoa, Dad! You're like, where is that coming from? What is going on? It was like in a split second. I wish that guy had hit our car and he had died. And then I started thinking about, like, oh, no, if he'd hit our car, then one of my sons probably would have died. That's not good. And you know, but then I was thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you even thinking along those lines at all? And I started realizing it was because I was I was afraid. And and sometimes when I'm, when we're afraid, we become angry, right? And I was angry at him, like what kind of idiot would drive like that in a parking lot, and what is he thinking, and and just all this. But it it all came about, all of a sudden it filled me with rage, and it just exploded. We get angry at other people, right? We get angry at life. Life is filled with trials. We start start getting angry at life, and we start getting short-tempered, right? And we snap at the people around us, at our roommates, at our kids, even people we love, even people who have nothing to do with the trial. Sometimes we get angry at God. And as Christians, we're like, we don't want to admit that. But down deep, we start feeling angry at God. We are quick to anger, aren't we? We're quick to anger. What this verse is describing is the inverse of what people normally do. Instead of being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, what we do is we're quick to anger. And then out of that anger, we're quick to speak, right? We just want to get it out. It explodes out of us sometimes. And then where does hearing come? Usually not at all, right? It's way at the end. We're very slow to listen. Very slow to hear. But what's wrong with that? James tells us that this does not produce the righteousness of God. When we're speaking, we can't listen very well. And anger, when we're filled with anger, it tends to shut down our caring for the other. We, we think that we can express this anger righteously. In fact, it's very interesting. That's our normal thought, right? Like for me, I'm like, I I know for other people it's hard to be angry and be righteous, but not for me. When I'm angry, I have a right to be angry. My anger is righteous. That's what I tend to think when I'm angry. But let's be honest with ourselves. Our anger is usually full of sin, isn't it? I know I become stubborn when I'm angry. I think I'm right and they are wrong. We become self-centered and selfish. We become self-important. We lose any sense of empathy or compassion for the other person. We want to win, and we want to vent our anger. And we don't care about love or understanding or doing what's right in God's eyes. We're not able to produce God's righteousness like that. So what does produce His righteousness? This verse tells us, being quick to hear, slow to speak, and anger. So hear what? Well, you think, obviously, the other person, right? And that's true. And that's usually how this verse is taught. I know I've been taught this verse for many, many years, decades, that this verse has to do with interpersonal conflict. When someone is angry or is talking to you, you need to slow down, you need to listen first. Focus on listening, being quick to hear and listen, slow to speak, and very slow to anger. And all that is true, it does apply to human interpersonal conflict and conversation. But what I discovered in these last few weeks is that's not the main meaning of this verse. That's not exactly what it's talking about. What is it talking about? Well, we get a clue from looking at the next verse in James one twenty one. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul's So this is right, whoa, wait a minute, this is going way beyond another human and their word, right? My friend talking to me is not going to be an implanted word which is going to save my soul, although God could use it very powerfully in my life. What's going on here? What is this implanted word that we're supposed to be quick to hearing? Well, look at a few verses later. Context is king. If you're trying to study the Bible or understand it, read it in context, study in context. A few verses earlier in verse 18, it says, Of his own will, it's talking about God, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So God spoke to us in the gospel, in the Bible, about Jesus Christ. And when we believed in Jesus Christ, we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, that he died for our sins and he rose from the dead so that we could have new and eternal life. When we put our faith and our hope in him, we were saved. Our souls were saved And we were transformed to become the first fruits of God's creatures. The first fruits is an Old Testament reference to the the first of the harvest, the best of the harvest. So although we were born and we have this desire to sin in us naturally, God, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, creates in us a new nature. He makes us new creatures so that we could become the best, the best of his creation. And that is what this implanted word is referring to. It's the Word of God. So, what is it that we're to be quick to hear? It's the Word of God. We're to be quick to hear and listen to the Word of God. So, this is not just talking about how to handle interpersonal conflict with other humans, it's talking about how to handle all situations, in every situation, when we slow down and set aside our anger and really listen to what God is saying to us in the Bible. That's what leads to the righteousness of God. That's what's able to save our souls, which, by the way, means not just saving us from hell. In the Bible, it talks about how through Jesus Christ we are saved. Also, we have been saved and we will be saved. There is a future connotation, a past connotation, and a present connotation. In the past tense, when we believe in Jesus, we have been saved. We're forgiven, we're made right with God. We're, our, our future is secure. All these wonderful benefits happen when we believe in Jesus. But also we will be saved because one day we are going to be raised from the dead and resurrected, and we will never have to worry about sin or death or evil again, and we will be in God's kingdom. But also the Bible talks about how we are being saved every day as we believe Jesus, as we act upon his word. Our lives are blessed. We experience abundant life. And notice this only happens if we receive the word of God with meekness. Meekness means gentleness. And this is contrasted with anger. So he's saying here, don't fight against God's word. Don't let anger rule your heart and your mind. Instead, give it up and let God's word rule your heart and and your mind. Receive his word. Let it be planted deep in your soul, deep in your heart and mind, and let it have its effect upon you. So the question I had for myself as I meditate on these passages, and the question I would have for you is, how well are we doing at listening to God, at receiving His Word with meekness? Slowing down, setting aside our anger. I don't mean ignore your anger, pretend it's not there. Deal with it, engage with it, figure out what's going on. But don't let it consume your heart. Instead, for a moment, slow down, set aside, and really listen to God. How much are we reading and learning the Bible so that we can be prepared to hear from God throughout the day? This is a constant battle. So let's know God's word, right? Let's be quick to hear it and receive it. But we need to be careful not to just stop there. There is one final thing that is needed in order for God's word to bear fruit in our lives, for us to experience its power and blessing. James 1.22 tells us, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For the word of God to benefit us, we first need to know it, then we need to hear it, then we need to receive it. But all of that is not enough until we obey it. If we want to save our souls and experience an abundant life, if we want to produce the righteousness of God in our lives, we need to believe it and act on it. And this is the key verse of this section. Indeed, it's the key verse of the whole letter of James. If in a few months from now, you're you're trying to remember, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember we had a series on James. Can't really remember what it's about. This is it. This is the go-to verse. This is what James is about. Be doers of the word and not just hearers. Everything before this led to this, and everything that comes after flows out of this. We need to listen to what God is telling us, and we need to do it. If we want to be blessed, if we want it to have an effect in our lives, if we want to see the righteousness of God in our lives. And if not, it says, it warns us, we are deceiving ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. We start to think that we're doers, but we've slipped into just being hearers. And it's so easy to become like this, isn't it? And this is what I'm saying now isn't just for you. This is for me too. This is so easy for me to do we often just become spectators in our Christian life, right? We just show up to meetings, ceremonies, and we we watch, we observe, and then we leave and we go on with the rest of our lives. Sometimes we go further, we become consumers. So we show up and we learn a lot. We read the books, we listen to the sermons, and we fill our heads with lots of knowledge and we think we're doing well. Sometimes we go even further, now that we know a lot, we, we start developing opinions. And we start having critical thoughts about everything around us. And sometimes that leads even to anger, right? And we start thinking we're channeling the righteous anger of God against the people in our church. Oh, boy, look at that person. Boy, if they knew the Bible like I knew the Bible, they would know what they're doing is really wrong. Or we start getting critical of our leaders. What kind of message was that? That's ridiculous. I know the Bible better than him. We start becoming critical of other churches, of non-Christians in our society. We post things online, on Facebook, and, and rant and rage based upon all that we know. And we comfort ourselves. We pat ourselves on the back, thinking we're doing well, and God is proud of us, and we're accomplishing a lot for Him. But we're not. We're not doing the Word of God at all. Just hearing it, just knowing it, doesn't mean we're doing it. Someone who is just a hearer of the word but not a doer is described well in James 1, 23 through 24. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he, is, what he was like. This image is kind of ridiculous, Right? You think about it. Who does this, right? You look at the mirror and you walk away. And you forget. And then I realized, oh, wait, I do this. <laughs> I do this all the time. Sometimes after my morning routine, I can't even remember what happened. Like, wait, did I shower? I can't remember. <laughs> okay, did I did I shave? I Why? Because sometimes we just go through the motions, right? You look at the mirror, you do this, that, the other thing, and you're off. And why? Because you're thinking about all these things you've got to do. You're worried about all these things. You're angry about all these things. You just go through the motions. And isn't that how we approach the Bible sometimes? We just open it up, we start reading, we go through the motions. In one ear, out the other. We don't even remember what we read. It has no impact on our lives. And so instead, what happens during the day? We listen to lies because we're not listening to the Bible. We listen to lies and we create a false image of ourselves and of God. We think too lowly of ourselves and we lose hope. We forget that we are new creations in Jesus Christ, that he has planted his word in us and it is bearing fruit, that we are the first fruits of his creation. Instead, we listen to the lies of the devil and the lies of the world and we lose hope. Or we start thinking too highly of ourselves we think about how much we know and, and how all the meetings we're at. And we, start, we become blind to our own faults. We start becoming arrogant. We forget that God is good and that nothing good can come from sin. And so we give in to temptation. And this is what happens when we're hearers of the word, but not doers. We become deceived. But if we're doers of the word, something different happens when we hear God's word. what it says in verse 25 but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who, who acts he will be blessed in his doing blessed the doer pays attention to what he's reading she keeps thinking about god's word and actually does it and as a result Instead of becoming self deceived and foolish and harming themselves and others and dishonoring God, the doer is blessed. Is blessed. Have you ever thought about that? When you do the Word of God, you are blessed. Maybe sometimes we think, oh, I do it, I have to do it, I'm supposed to do it. It's this duty driven mentality. And if I don't, I I feel guilty. And that's our Christian lives, and that's a sad way to live. We forget that we are blessed when we do it look how the word of god is described here as the perfect law the law of liberty have you ever thought of a law as being a source of liberty when we think of laws and rules do we associate them with freedom right no (laughs) what do we think of them as they're constraining me they're holding me back ever since we're little kids you know our parents give us rules. They tell us, don't do this, do this, don't do that. And you're chafe at those rules, especially when you become a teenager. You know? Don't tell me what to do. With my, with my middle son, he's great. Like He would seriously be like, don't tell me what to do. But then even afterwards, once he grew up a little bit, he'd still say that every once in a while, just, like, just to kind of get under my skin. But we chafe at that, our natural nature. We resist that. Because we think, I know better than you. Who are you to tell me what to do? But actually, when we obey God's law, we are set free. We are set free. It's the law of liberty. Free from lies and self-delusion and pride and greed. Free from all the foolishness and harm that comes with those lies. Free to truly live and experience life and God and people and our best selves. Free to truly do good and be righteous. Remember James chapter 1 verses 14 through 17. It said this: But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Don't be deceived, you guys. When we give in to temptation and sin, it produces death in our lives. Why would we want that? Why do we listen again and again to its lies? Only God is the source of every good and perfect gift. His law does not trap us or keep us from what is good. He's not some cosmic spoil sport. He's telling us these things because they're good for us. They help us to experience what is perfect and good. But this only happens when we look into his perfect law and obey it. Now, to make this exhortation clear, James closes this section with these words, James chapter 1, verses 26-27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained, from the world. So he talks in here about religion and being religious. And I would define religion in this way. I I think growing up as an evangelical Christian, I shouldn't say growing up, I became a Christian when I was 17. So since then, but that's still most of my life. Uh, Yes, I know, I look young, but I'm actually 51. So there you go. You can do the math. So for most of my Christian life, I've associated religion with something bad okay? Religion is a bunch of rules, and religion can't save you, and Christianity, Christianity is about a relationship with God, right? We are saved not by keeping a bunch of rules, or uh, making ourselves perfect, or cleaning up our act, but we're saved simply by believing in Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, who died for your sins, so that we could be forgiven, and rose from the dead, so that he could conquer sin and death for us, so that we could live with God forever. And when I believe in Jesus Christ, and accept him as my Lord and Savior, I am made clean, And I have accepted into God's kingdom forever. It's done. It's sealed. It's a done deal. And so I've normally dismissed the word religion and thinking about it. But the way religion is used here, there's a good connotation to it. It's merely talking about the practice of the teachings of our faith. The practice. What you do. What you do. In our case, our faith is what? It's Christianity, right? Our faith is in Jesus Christ. We've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior and as such, what is supposed to flow out of that? What does Jesus, our Lord, want us to do? What is the greatest commandment, he's told us? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is the teaching of Jesus. Is the teaching of the whole Bible. All the law and the prophets are summed up in this, the great commandment. So this is our religion, if you want to put it in, the way, in that way. This is how we are supposed to practice our faith in Jesus Christ. This should be the outworking of that faith. But he says here, if you don't bridle your tongue, but instead deceive your heart, your religion, your practice is worthless. Is worthless. And what is he talking about here? Why does he pick out bridling your tongue, deceiving your heart? Well, what does that remind you of? Just a few verses earlier, right? verse 19 he says but be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger what does that involve bridling your tongue right he says if you don't do that you can't accomplish the righteousness of god and then a few verses later in verse 22 he says but be doers of the word and not just hearers because if you do that if you're just a hearer you deceive yourself so james is summarizing that and he's saying if you're that kind of person who's quick to speak quick to anger, you don't listen to God or obey God, you're not going to accomplish God's righteousness. You may think you're religious and you're all that, but you're not. Your religion is worthless. At one point, Jesus was confronting the Jewish Pharisees and leaders, and they thought they were very religious. In fact, most people thought they were very religious. And he was really calling them out on that. He said, well, let me tell you a story There was a man, and he had two sons, and he told the first son, go and work in our vineyard. And his first son said, no, (laughs) which I could totally relate to. I've done that. I've seen my kids do that. Um, Maybe you've done that as well. I'm sure you haven't, but other children you know of would say no to their parents. So the son says no, and then he says, but later on, he changes his mind, and he does. He goes and does it. The second son, the father goes to the second son and says, go and work in our vineyard. And the second son says, yes, I will. But then later on, he changes his mind and he decides not to. And so Jesus looks at those religious leaders and says, which of these two sons obeyed his father? And they, you know, they had to admit it. It was obvious, right? They couldn't evade or anything. They said, the first son. He said, yeah. Do you realize that the tax collectors and the prostitutes are closer to getting into the kingdom of heaven than you are. Because when they heard John the Baptist, when they heard the word of God, they heard it, they listened, they received it, they believed it, they acted upon it. But you did not. Their religion was worthless. It looked good on the outside, but they were not accomplishing the righteousness of God. Instead, James here tells us about religion that is pure, that is pleasing to God. It's pure and undefiled. It's to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, I just want to make clear here, this is not a complete list of everything that makes up pure religion, right? (laughs) The great commandment. You can't say, well, I've visited some orphans and widows and I've kept myself pure, check, check, done (laughs) now i go on with my life you know i don't need to care for the poor or share the gospel or honor my parents or tell the truth what you know this is look that's what it says right okay so you got to understand these are examples examples of the great commandment right of what jesus taught us of the word the, the word of god God is commanded the teaching of the word of God is summed up in the great commandment. So pure, pure religion is obeying that command. And here we see examples of what that looks like. Not just knowing it, hearing it, and receiving it, but doing it. It's also an important understanding here, even if you can't visit a widow in her distress, you can still love your neighbors in ways, both big and small. And that's encouraging to remember. So why are these listed in these specifics? Because they are a test of the purity of our religion, of the practice of our faith. God loves and cares for orphans and widows. If we're truly his children, then we will too. God is holy and loves righteousness. And if we are truly his children, then so will we. And we will try to be holy and pure in every area of our lives. This is the measure of our religion. Not how much we know or what position we have in the church or what meetings we attend or how much money we give. I know for me this is so challenging and I think more than for maybe a lot of other people why because I'm a pastor I'm a pastor and it's so easy for me to slip into thinking I am doing well as a Christian I am doing God's word because I'm a pastor right and I you know I go to all these meetings in fact I sometimes teach these meetings you know I officiate weddings I lead baptism services. I know the Bible. I've read it many times. People come and ask me questions about the Bible. I have so much knowledge. I'm doing so well. And I can start getting complacent and thinking, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm a doer of the word. But am I? Am I doing well? Two weeks ago, Vivek was teaching us about the Holy Spirit, right? And I hope you got a chance to hear it. It was a great teaching. He was talking to us about how to be led by the Spirit and I don't know if you caught him there. He gave an example. He challenged us at the end to spend one week and every day and every moment say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do right now? Help me. And just be led by the Spirit. And he said he got that idea because of something I had shared about how a pastor had challenged me many years ago with this challenge. And he used my name. I don't know if you heard my name in there. He said, this is a story that Aziz told. And I'm sitting there listening to that and going, wow, yeah. I remember that that was a great week I mean that was so powerful <laughs> I just felt like my life changed it was so powerful yeah man that was that was great and then I had this next thought I thought you know it's interesting because all these people just heard my name and they heard my name associated with the story and they're probably all out there thinking wow that is ease. he's spiritual man man he's probably being led by the spirit right now I wish, I wish I could just sit next to Aziz and just, like, ask him things. Like, what about now? What about now? What, I should, what should I do now? What are you hearing now? Do you have a word for me now? And I, I started to feel a little happy about that thought. You know, like, yeah. Man, I am so spiritual. <laughs> and then this thought daughter would be like, Aziz, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> it doesn't matter what happened 20 years ago. I mean, it matters, but... But what matters right now is, are you doing this right now? And this may sound kind of silly, but you aren't doing it unless you're actually doing it. (laughs) And I'm here talking about the Word of God, okay? Uh, So (laughs) you are not going to be obeying the Word of God unless you're actually obeying it. I thought about this and I realized, you know, just because I obeyed the Word of God 20 years ago and I walked in the Spirit, doesn't mean I'm doing this right now in this moment. Just because I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean I'm obeying God's Word in this moment. Just because I know how to obey God's Word, it doesn't mean that I'm doing that right now. I have to constantly challenge myself. Am I being a doer or just a hearer? And I don't want to become self-deceived. That's a terrible way to live. I don't want to become a fool who thinks that he's spiritual but who can't control his tongue and isn't loving God or people. What kind of church do we want to be, guys? Just hearers or doers? Spectators or players who are in the game? Consumers or contributors? Critics who are quick to speak and anger and judge but who don't actually do what God wants? Or men and women of God, quick to listen to God's word and do it and be blessed? What kind of person do you want to be? I'd like to ask you guys to all stand up right now. And we're going to recite together James 1, verses 22 through 25, as we did last week. There's something powerful, I think, when, when God's people recite his word together. Let's go ahead and do that. Ooh. Maybe, uh, sorry. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? We want to give you some time right now to reflect on those verses, reflect on what we talked about this morning. Between you and God, we're going to give you a couple minutes and just think about these questions and answer them for yourselves. Is there anything that you have been seeing in the Bible that you have been ignoring? Maybe it was something at this retreat. Maybe it's just something that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about over the course of many months. Maybe just recently. What is God putting on your heart to do? And will you do it? You know, for Jeff, it was the area of idolatry and money. And you, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe that's it for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just a small thing. He wants me to apologize, he wants me to call someone. Take some time and reflect upon that. (sighs) Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time to hear from you to hear from your word. We just confess to you that we don't tend to be doers of your word. So easily we are distracted, so easily we're afraid so easily we're angry, so easily we believe the lies that come from within ourselves and this world and the devil. Help us. We are foolish people and stubborn people. Humble us. Help us to see that it is a blessing to keep your word. Help us to be hungry for your word, to know your word, to hear your word, to receive your word with meekness and ultimately to do your word. We want to be blessed and we want to be a blessing, Lord. We ask you to help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers. In Jesus' name, amen.